Hello and welcome back to Deal Diary. I'm Kiara Figueroa and I'm Ella Moni Cook. Amazing. So what are we talking about today, Ella? We're going to talk about our deal parameters and why they're important, what are they, and how we've changed them. And now we're proactively reshuffled them to now stick to them. <laughs> reshuffled them so many times. Literally. So how would you describe deal parameters for someone who maybe has never been in M&A before? Well, I think this is a two-part way to answer this. There is the way I viewed deal parameters, and I feel like we should also state if we go back and forth between deal parameters and deal box, they mean Mm -hmm. one and the same thing. Mm -hmm. Just in our mastermind, we call it a deal box. Mm -hmm. But... I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong or you disagree, but the way I looked at deal parameters before the podcast, Big Three, Little Two, mm-hmm. I just viewed it as, okay, you just like pick your top cities, how much money, like purchase price, and then like an industry that you would like to be in, mm-hmm. like high level. So very large, broad, mm-hmm. kind of spinning my wheels. Yeah. Post that podcast that we both listened to. I realized that having a very clear understanding of location, Mm -hmm. industry, and revenue is really the foundation of your business buying journey. Mm -hmm. And if you're not crystal clear on that, you will never buy a business. And I think to come into this and be like, okay, this is my box, you then go, after looking into some businesses that maybe are in that location or in that revenue, maybe it has too many employees, you go, okay, I'm not ready for that and let us change it. So from the start, we had really spoken a lot about Phoenix and Tucson and a lot about the location and then a general industry. We hadn't too much spoken about the SDE, Mm -mm. we were just pretty much putting a large web out there and being like, let's look and discover because we were both, I think, kind of testing each other out to like see what each other were interested in as well. So we would proactively in our notion, like build out our pipeline with different things and then we'll jump on a call and discuss them. Yeah. Why I love this deal. Yeah. Why you love that deal, et cetera. And then we either dead it out together or say, okay, mm-hmm. we'll do a couple outreach. If they don't respond, then we're going to like not focus on that deal anymore. And I feel like you can best explain this, but give us a brief overview of what you really took out of that podcast that I think we then came back together and we're like, <laughs> okay, aha, like, let's re- re-talk about this. Yes. I think... The biggest thing that I took away is the time that you waste. Mm. So if your deal box is too broad, you spend too much time spinning your wheels on things and like investigating and doing all this work, trying to get in touch with the seller or the broker on a deal on an industry that you may not even like. And then if you get too, if you drill down too much, then you're never going to have a pipeline. So it's like finding that sweet spot Mm -hmm. that really helps you focus on what matters to you because I think once we realized that we both listened to it I feel like when I shared it with you I was like no Ella I'm like I'm trying to tell you what I'm saying but I feel like I'm not 
doing this other podcast. It's called The Big Three Little Two, not doing it justice. And yeah. tell me what you think. Like after you listened to it, it wasn't like an aha moment yeah. of like why it's so important to get clear on that. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing that we really got clear on over time was like, okay, if we were going to buy a business that was doing 200K SDE and then we put an operator in place, there's nothing left for us. Yeah. Like, you know, if you add a few things into the business or the business dips by 20%, like we're not making anything. So that's where we really got clear, okay, we're not going to look at anything under 300K SDE if it's not in Tucson or Phoenix. And that can be, you know, I guess for us, it's got to be essential. It's got to really be something that we can expand vertically. And I think using both of our strengths are really important to us. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, I think after that, we were like, perfect. Let's not waste our time looking at anything else. But besides these parameters, unless the only exception to our rule was if a laundromat, because they don't have that SDE, that's the only thing we really are open to underneath that. So I think from that podcast, I would say it made both of our lives a lot easier with our search and speaking with brokers. Yep. And with one another, I feel like. Yeah. Because we would a- we'd be able to bring the deal to one another and state why it fits our deal box and like why we think it's a great opportunity. And I think at the last mm-hmm. deal that we submitted our LOI for, even though appliance repair was not in our like one of the main industries we were focusing on. It had the SDE that we were looking for. It was in the location and it was still a service-based industry. Maybe not one we would have necessarily immediately thought of, but it's a service-based industry that doesn't require a lot of overhead. I'm not dealing with a ton of materials. And that's ultimately why we were like, yes, we could both agree based on our three requirements that even though appliance repair is not what we thought of. Yeah we can still be excited about this deal because it fits our deal parameters. Yeah. If you were speaking to someone that had never created a deal box before, what would be, I guess, a lesson that you've learned along our journey? I think knowing what's important to you. Mm -hmm. So for example, when I shared my deal box with you, I said, hey, out of the three things location, revenue, and industry. So for me, out of those three deal parameters, you have to pick two that you're not willing to negotiate on and then one that you're willing to do this. In order to pick the two that were really important to me, it's like based on what I want for my life. So like I know I want a business in Tucson or Phoenix because it's my first business. I'm not willing to budge on that because I have friends and family that are in both of those cities. Mm -hmm. So if shit pops off, I have the support system there. So I was not going to waver from Tucson or Phoenix. And then the second one for me was industry. I want a service-based industry. And then revenue, this is again before we partnered up. I was, I had like a loose, okay, Mm -hmm. uh, I want to make 100K from this business for my SCE, but I can be a little bit flexible there. But for sure for me, it was location and industry what about for you before we came together and why before we came together there really wasn't a deal parameters for me I was more looking as like what's going to add on to my original business Mm. so remember growth house so and what does growth house do 
Growth House is a sales engagement platform, so all B2B, LinkedIn, email, lead generation hub. But I was more looking at marketing agencies and I was more looking at businesses that more was on that online space because as you said, if something pops off, I don't really have that support base. So online, that's what I'm used to. I'm used to really having like a virtual team and like that felt really comfortable to me. Yeah, totally. The more that I was looking into agencies, the more that I realized that it also comes with a lot of headache, just in the sense of like clients and, you know, myself dealing with clients in the past, you know, the ones that I were looking at at the time really didn't like the management place was from the owner. So yeah, I I think that my deal box prior was more on that online space. Yeah, I remember that. But I will say that I still want to acquire a marketing agency, but I want to have that probably once we've done a few deals in the home service space, because I think that that's going to really encompass, I think, what we're doing with this podcast, as well as being able to really turn these businesses into, I guess, a seamless uh, customer acquisition process, which is what excites me about the home service space is... The fact that some of these business owners are just so old school. I know. And their businesses are flourishing. Yeah. So just wait. It'll be very exciting to see once we acquire one based on whatever processes they have yeah. or don't have Yeah. Um, to see how we'll really be able to come in and, you know, put forth our strengths and take those sales to the next level. Yeah. So now after we've gone through this process, our current deal box is our two, I guess our big two are location. So we're currently only looking in Phoenix, Tucson and Austin. Austin. And then our SDE has to be, you know, their 300K SDE or above. And then our industry is just really something that is essential and that we can, you know, we feel like both of our strengths can benefit the upside of the business. With the service. Well, I think it's also important that we've learned and really defined, especially when we're talking with brokers or even networking, is saying what we absolutely will not deal with. True. No dry cleaners. We don't want to deal with like the chemical disposal or any of those things. Mm -hmm. No bars and or restaurants absolutely no franchises while we do recognize there can be some great franchise opportunities out there mm-hmm. and we're not hating on anyone that owns a franchise just for us and what we're wanting we at least for me i'm leaving corporate america because i don't want to report to anyone anymore and i mm-hmm. still feel like i i see franchises are great because they give you the book and you're not really having to create anything from scratch which is great yeah. but you're still in one way or another reporting to someone mm-hmm. and that's just not really what we want for our journey. And I think for both of us is like, we see, you know, in five years, the opportunity to franchise our business model with our strengths that we have, you know, you on that operation and that leadership side and me on that digital tech and lead gen side is like, they're really the foundations of how, you know, most franchises start. It's yeah. like once you nail those things, yeah. we're either going to expand under our own umbrella or we're going to give someone the opportunity to like use our umbrella, Yeah, which is really exciting for us. And that's why I think we did love the appliance repair because you do have that commercial, but then you also have that B2B. Yeah. 
So yeah, we'll see what happens. I know. But I think if you can take away one thing from here, what would you take away from like the importance of a deal box and what we really learned? Like how many times did we change ours? Yeah. I think that learning is not linear. And I think you do have to understand what's out there first in mm-hmm. order to realize. Because I remember just looking through Biz by Sell and being like, nope, nope. Oh, this is interesting. Like, could I see myself in five years still being excited about that project? Or am I just excited because of the numbers? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think that the one thing to take away is that you're never going to get it right the first time. No. You're going to learn along the way. But at some stage, you need to understand exactly what you said. What's important to you? And are you just spinning your wheels for no reason? Yep. Because processing a deal and doing due diligence on a deal is too much time wasted to do and, it with And things. money. Yeah. you got to pay your lawyer. Yeah. you got to pay your, you know, all the people on your deal team. Yeah. And as well, it's like you want to leverage those people too. If you don't know... If the revenue really stacks up for you, get your SBA loan advisor involved. Yeah. Get someone that you know that is in a CFO position like we did with your uncle. Yeah. Shout out to Tubbs. And so I think it's important to use your resources. If you are on that fence with a deal yeah. or you're looking at something, get a third person's perspective because that's what we use, you know, the unconventional acquisition mastermind for is we really will reach out to people and be like, hey, can you just have a look at this? Yeah. As many eyes as we can before. Any money is spent. Yes. And I think it's even more important because if you think about it too, like the template that the mastermind gives us, one of the top three bullet points is why do you love this deal? And so you should be able to articulate why you love it based on your deal parameters that you've set forth. And like once you really feel confident that like these are the three my deal parameters like and I'm not going to waver from them I know that you and I have but more so I feel like we went from this and then we really got we funneled down like we started with HVAC that was one of our top ones and then as we started talking to owners like even considering sweat equity deals we realized "Mm, maybe not an industry that we love yeah and I think that's okay as long as you find that sweet spot of not being too broad but also not too niche. And I think once you can really like write it in stone and like stick to it, that's when the, your pipeline builds and like things start moving. And I think in another episode, we're really going to go through of like the importance of speaking with business owners and shadowing them. Uh, So important. Because it really gives you an insight behind the curtain of what you're going to be pretty much, you know, getting yourself into for the next, you know, foreseeable future from a day-to-day perspective, even if you are an absentee investor. Yeah. So I'm excited. Me too. I'm really excited. I just, I know. I'm it, All I'm thinking about right now too, when I'm thinking about our deal box, it's like just also thinking about the clients repair deal Yeah. and like how important us refining our deal boxes because we would have never even considered that industry had you and I not been so aligned on like what we're looking for because the second I remember I sent it to you mm-hmm. even when the broker sent it to me I'm like actually this might be something yeah because other than that I don't know if you and I would actually have I mean we might have like grazed it on biz by sell but we would have been like so 
like, yes, let's dive into the numbers, like really interested. And I think after speaking to the owner and really getting his perspective on the industry with him not touching the commercial side, there's a huge upside in that business. And even with him saying, I know we never really wanted a shop front, but it's interesting to know that like the second hair repair market is such a big market in Phoenix as well. Haven't even touched Tucson yet. Yeah. So on our next episode, we're going to have a guest, a very good friend of yours. Yes. It's going to be around all things commercial real estate and how leases really do impact a business and some things you want to look out for. Especially when, um, when in due diligence, it's so much more, I think even for you and I were like, wow, we had no idea that we need to dive into the lease. If the business is renting Mm -hmm. just as much as that you need to dive into the numbers. And I think that is a really crucial thing that can break a business. If you don't look at that and then you buy something, it can, it can be a, a really big detriment. So I think it's, it'll be a really fun episode to dive into. Well, guys, thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode. Toodles. Yeah.